Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today's very special guest is the Vice President of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Dr. Tom Phillips. How are you today, Tom? Oh, Clay, what a wonderful opportunity to be with you and your listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, You're part of a very influential and multifaceted organization. I wanted to talk with you today about some of the things happening with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. But first, could you share with our listeners a little about your background before you came to the association? Well, thank you. Yes, my heart has always been to share Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior with those who did not know Him. And uh, even as a young man, when our church had cold turkey visitation, I would be the only teenager there going out with the adults to homes. And in those days, people would actually let you in and were civil and would listen. And uh, so I thought, how do I utilize the skill set or gifts that uh, God has allowed me to steward to steal His gifts And I thought it was medicine. So I was studying, I thought, to be a surgeon who would witness. You have a wonderful opportunity to share the true life that's eternal as well as presently abundant. In the middle of that, I was praying one day while I was in pre-med, doing very well. And um, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Tom, what's more important, helping a man or woman have quality of life for 70 years or helping a man and woman have life eternal. And it literally turned my world upside down. I did not see myself as a pastor. Uh, I didn't realize that God could use us in other ways. So I was obedient, gave up my desires, uh, went back into all the courses I needed to to go on to seminary. And then in seminary, the Lord said to me, as I kept asking him, why am I here? I'm not wired like these other guys. And he said one day, I made you truly for revival. And then, of course, uh, through a major number of circumstances, God put me into the Billigram Evangelistic Association as the first student working on their doctoral ministry program as an intern with Mr. Graham. And I realized that he, in 1949, and on throughout his life, said, I'm praying for an old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival that would sweep America from coast to coast. My six months of internship were up, and again in prayer, the Lord gave me an inclination that I would be asked to stay. I didn't really plan on doing that. I had a job being, a really good job being held for me. I needed to finish some of my academics, which I did eventually. But I told my wife, we prayed, we had peace that last day on Sunday in Lubbock, Texas, Uh, The leaders brought me under the platform and said, we want you to stay. That was 1974. And the Lord has allowed me to grow in the ministry of the kingdom and eventually become the global VP of Crusade training, Director Cove, Director Library, and now here at Donor Ministries. So I guess I'm like the utility player in baseball. They can't quite figure where to put them. You're the player to be named later. Well... (laughs) 
You you mentioned that word revival, and that's going to be a theme today, I believe. Uh, you've written some books like Jesus Now Awakening and Ignite Your Passion for Jesus, which focus on revival. Now, so as we talk about your activities today, uh, we can focus on that phenomenon of revival. To start, I wanted to quote something that Billy Graham himself wrote about your own writings and your own observations. Billy Graham wrote, quote, Is America in the early stages of a spiritual revival which will overshadow anything we have ever seen before in our nation's history? Tom Phillips makes a convincing case that this could be true as he examines some of the significant new ways God is at work touching lives today, unquote. Now, it's been about 14 years or so since Billy Graham made that observation about your writings. So I'd like to ask you, Dr. Phillips, to talk to us about revival. And I'm going to ask you the obvious question about whether you have an answer to Billy Graham's question that I just quoted. But first, uh, please tell us, what are some of the signs of revival? Well, thank you. Um, let me start with a quote from the wonderful, own, uh, uh, wonderful old minister of the gospel, Vance Havner. He said this about revival. A work of God's Spirit among His own people, what we call revival, is simply New Testament Christianity, the saints getting back to normal. So a true awakening of the kingdom of God's kids, the church, is revival. And that means that a revival is when the church is actually being completely intimately with Jesus and living for Him consistently. We are so, quote, abnormal today that if we truly got, got right with God, and someone also once said, you if no one else can be a walking revival, so it's internal, it's in your heart, and it's relationship with God. If we became truly revived, then we would be normal Christians. So obviously the need is an indictment of what's happened to us through sin in the church. Charles Finney was the great revivalist of the early 1800s. He was a lawyer. He was an atheist. Uh, in those days, law books had scripture right beside U.S. law in the law books. So he would keep his Bible out beside his law books, even though he was, quote, an atheist, and he studied the scripture. He also led the choir in the Presbyterian church, and he did that actually to build his law business. And as he read God's word and as he heard the messages on Sunday, God began to move. One day he was on his way home. God dealt with him as he walked back to his house from his law practice. <clears throat> he was convicted. Conviction means to see as God sees. He walked through a barbed wire fence. He knelt at a stump, sitting in the trees, and confessed. And from there, his life purified into the revival preacher of all of New England. And in his latter years, when he was the president of Oberlin College, after seeing an awakening throughout the New England states, he wrote down seven indicators to know when a movement of God is underway. The word revival comes from the Greek word with the prodigal son, anazeo, where the father says, this my son was dead, is alive again, was lost, and is found. That word alive again is revival. So as Charles Finney saw the church in New England come alive, he wrote down the seven indicators. Do you want me to quickly go over those? Would you like me to? Yes, sir, please. 
right? Number one is when the sovereignty of God, and by the way, this is on page 84 of the book, Jesus Now Awakening. It's also in the other book. I put it in because they're trying to write these books, not to be authors, but to show the church what God is doing. That's what's really important. What is God up to? Number one, when the sovereignty of God indicates that revival is near. Now remember, he wrote these seven indicators down at the end of a very successful life reviving the church of a burned-over district called New England. When the revival of God indicates, that, when the sovereignty of God, rather, indicates that revival is near. What does that mean? Well, it has two meanings. One, and when it's so bad that there's nothing that man or woman can do that can overcome the problem. The world is so very, very, very dark. Actually, Isaiah says that very well in Isaiah 61 through 2. Arise, children of God, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. When? Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises to appear over you. Sovereignty of God indicates, one, it's so dark. It's like the whole earth is dark. I don't know there's ever been a greater prayer movement in the history of the world than there is today, which precedes revival. But also, I don't know that the world could have been so dark. When have there been so many wars? When have we taken the lives of so many unborn? When has there been so much corruption? When are nations literally in the Mediterranean, Turkey, and those nations, China and the South China Sea, and those nations ready to go to war? This is a very trying time. So the sovereignty of God indicates it's bad. Number two, when the sovereignty of God indicates it's good. We are seeing young people today especially step up. If you've been following a young man named Sean Foyt, Sean was the worship leader at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And as he saw the state shutting down, he said, I'm going to go outside the church walls. COVID, by the way, broke down the walls of the church and put us in a whole new dimension of getting the gospel out through technology. But Sean said, I'm going to go to the beaches. I'm going to go to the city centers. I'm going to go to the parks. So he went to Huntington Beach, California. 10,000 young people came out to worship God. John Piper once said, the real work of the church is not missions. It's worship. Because when you worship, you'll do missions. And eventually, when you get to heaven, the real work is worship. So God indwells the praises of his people. And Sean knew that. He knows how young people love worship and love music, 10,000 people. Then, of course, he's gone to New Jersey. He went to Minneapolis where George Floyd was killed. He's been to Nashville, Tennessee, 10,000 young people. He's been to Portland, Oregon. He's been to uh, Seattle where they were seeing him go into the big park in the middle of the city. I lived in Seattle 11 years. And they went out and put a fence to keep him out. So he just went on the streets with the young people. After George Floyd was killed, another young group, circuit riders, youth at the mission, young evangelists from Canada, went to the streets of Minneapolis, set up a platform, speakers, started preaching the gospel. They put in a baptismal tank, and they began to baptize. And that tank was used for a week. Now, I could go on and on and on about the young people we see stepping up in America. But the sovereignty of God, number two, is when wickedness grieves and humbles Christians. We have so much wickedness in our nation. We're in the midst right now 
of what is being called fraud in a national election. We know in our nation's capital, sometimes it's easier to lie than tell the truth. We've seen corruption like we've never seen it before. So we Christians go to our knees and we pray and we say, God, we're wicked. We need your help. We're actually desperate. We're crying out to you to do something. Then one day God in his providence puts, as we pray, he puts the mirror of Jesus in front of our individual faces and shows us ourselves and our own sin in light of Jesus's perfection. Then the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And we realize that his goodness has saved us. And it's his goodness that will redeem even our Christian from his daily sin and bring him to normal or her to normal Christianity. And so sovereignty of God indicates it's near wickedness, grieves, and humbles, corporate wickedness, national wickedness, and then personal wickedness. Number three, when there's a spirit of prayer for revival. When we wrote this book, Jesus Now Awakening, I put the word awakening in ink coming out of the bottom of the book's cover. I just had it redone by the publisher. We bought that word completely out. The word revival is hardly even used two years ago. And today the word revival is literally being talked about everywhere because people are praying. There are more people praying today around the world for revival than there's ever been in the history of the church. My, my friends from China say, I'm praying for America's revival. My friends in Korea, I'm praying for America's revival. My friends in Nigeria, I'm praying for America's revival. Why? Because this is the only nation still standing, and who's left if we're gone? So maybe God will give us one more chance. Number four is when the attention of ministers is directed toward revival and spiritual awakening. These are Charles Finney's indicators that he saw over 40 years of ministry. What does that mean? Well, that means preachers are preaching on revival. They're writing on revival. My first book was 1992. There were probably three books or four on revival. Today, there's a plethora. Then, nobody preached on revival. So few of us even speaking on it. Today, it seems like every pastor was talking about renewal, restoration, reset, revival. Number five, when Christians confess their sins one to another, and it's not gossip the next day. And that's happening more and more and more. One brother burdened for another brother. One brother going and saying, I just blew my marriage apart. Would you pray with me? I've had that happen. And you don't make that gossip the next day. Because as God convicts that brother of his sin, God convicts you of your unfaithfulness, even in your heart, if not physically. Number six, when Christians are willing to make the sacrifices, necessary to carry out whatever God says to do. I was in Hyatt, the Hyatt Hotel at Los Angeles Airport two years ago at the Mission America meeting. I'm on the board, been on the board for 25 years. I'm the old guy, right? So these young guys were meeting, 80 of them, guys and gals, and they said, would you join us as an observer? Now, some of their teams I had actually trained how to do proclamation evangelism as we do it and ask them to corporately bring it into the culture of today. Anyway, I'm sitting there listening. And they said this, they were male, female, 35 years to 18 years old. They were Hispanics, they were Asian, they were white, they were black, and they didn't notice it. And they said this, we'll go anywhere God tells us to go. We'll do anything God tells us to do. 
We'll say anything God tells us to say. We'll risk anything God tells us to risk. We'll be anybody God tells us to be. Now, that sounds like the Apostle Paul. That also sounds like Billy Graham in his younger years. So the world is there, whether it's America or Asia or China or the Latin world. Um, it's just unbelievable what God is doing among you. Number seven, when the ministers and laity, these are Finney's words, are willing for God to promote spiritual awakening by whatever instrument he pleases. So we have to remember, this is God's work. This revival that we are seeing already, this movement of God in light coming out of the darkness in America, is God-ordained. And it won't look like any other revival. For example, historically, revivals have been led by not leaders, but individuals who personify in their own lives, because they're part of society, what God is doing in the culture and will do in the culture. But today, well, we won't have three, four, five leaders of revival. Literally, God has shown us it will be millions, millions of pinpricks of light coming out of darkness and brightening a nation. Those seven indicators. Those are true, and they're all operative. They were not in 1992. They're all operative in 2000 in America today, and they're growing out of desperation for Jesus. So this follow-up book then, uh, the 2016 book, Jesus Now Awakening, you subtitled God Is Up to Something Big. And so we obviously would ask, what is God up to? It brings me back to Billy Graham's question, is America in a spiritual revival, which will overshadow anything we've seen in our nation's history? How do you see the answer to that question as of November 2020, Dr. Phillips? It is. It's germinal. The media in America, as you know, 92% purportedly don't have faith in God. Now, I don't believe that. I think a lot more have faith in God. They're just quiescent in their television networks or their radio networks or the print because of peer pressure. But it doesn't go out. The media does not go out and dig out what God is up to. They only dig out the evil, and they're only critical because that's what sells. But as I look around and I see what we're doing in Samaritan's Purse and the rapid response team responding to hurricanes and fires, putting hospitals during COVID at Milan, Italy, in New York City, we put a hospital across from Mount Sinai. We are out there on the field. Franklin Graham's now done over 10,000 60-second spots on television for people to call in when they're hurting. We've had over 240,000 people we've actually talked to since March 17. Over 10,000 have come to Christ as we've prayed with them. This is an amazing response. When you look at what's happening with Campus Crusade and how they're growing, when you see the millions who are coming to Christ in Egypt, in Iran, and you see the leadership that's developing in Africa and in Latin America, when you see the work of the kingdom right now in Venezuela, there are schools of evangelism for adults, for pastors, for youth, they're streaming it. We're part of that. And out of the training of the Venezuelan pastor, putting it on streaming with Hispanic followers around the world, we've had over 4 million views. The media doesn't know all that God is doing. I met three kids at the Hyatt two years ago, and I said, what are you doing? And they were in their 20s. We're going to Brazil, and we're going to hold worship rallies and evangelism rallies in major stadiums. And I said, well, How much money do you have? Well, we don't have any. 
why are you doing this? God told us to. How are you going to do this? Well, we're going to go down, talk to the stadium officials, and, and lease the stadium, and we're tell them we're going to sell tickets and pay for the stadium. So they did that. They went down and rented three stadiums, 40,000 to 60,000 seats. They figured up all the costs. They divided the seat number into the amount of cost. They sold two and a half stadiums completely. And last February, this February, the 21st, I got an information sheet from Charisma Magazine. They had had 140,000 young Brazilians simultaneously worshiping the Lord and sharing Jesus. And that was just one of those groups I listened to at the Hyatt two years ago in Los Angeles. So everywhere I turn, we have a man here in Charlotte named Sammy Bethea. He's made national news. He's on the streets every single day. Jesus loves a big, huge African-American. This man, by the time he was 29, had been arrested 27 times. He worked at Walmart in the, in the car shop, mechanic. This little tiny pastor used to go there every morning, Pastor Fleet, and witness to the guys at Walmart before they opened. And one day, Sammy said to him, can you explain capital punishment to me? Mm. He did explain it in the light of Jesus's capital punishment for his sins, for you, Sammy. Sammy came to Christ, and over time, God led him to give up his job. He's on the street every day. At first, the businessmen thought he was a nut. Now everybody loves him. He's right in the middle of a protest. He's beaten up. He's sprayed on. He's spit on. This man is just absolutely amazing. People like me and others help fund him, keep him on the streets. He is he has become to the police the giant of faith in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mike Pompeo, for example, our Secretary of State, who would have dreamed? Here's the Secretary of State working with Alex Azar, Secretary of Health. They're now working with the United Nations in 30 countries to make the right to abortion illegal in those countries. This is a new thing. When we see the return that Jonathan Kahn just did, when we did the prayer march on the mall in Washington, D.C. in October, 100,000 people we were told were there. And Jonathan was calling the nation with 200 other leaders to return to God. And we had those thousands of people doing the whole walk down the mall, seven locations, calling out to God to save this nation. These are new things. People are trying to show their kindness, show their love. This is a new day in the kingdom of God, and God is at work. Pin points of light, pin pricks of light. A pin prick of light is just a tiny little thing done for Jesus in his name, helping someone who dropped their groceries. Pin point of light is a Christian's life, loving God and going through life, that little strip of light going through darkness. You've got enough of those, you'll light up a whole room. You can light up a whole nation. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Amen. And that's exactly what's happening because this, remember Isaiah 60, arise, Jerusalem, or children of God, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of God is the one on you. My glory will arise and appear over you, and that's what I'm seeing in these young people. So Jesus said, let your light so shine before men and women that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. And God promises us in 1 John that darkness will pass away because the true light is already shining. 
And the media will eventually pick up on it because it'll become something that's worthy of printing and showing. It'll make money for them. That's what happened in the Great Prayer Revival when the nation was this divided in 1858, 1860. Before the Civil War, we had a revival. We had a prayer revival led by lay people. And one-thirtieth of the population in two years came to Christ through prayer. That would be one million people then. That would be 10 million people today. And the nation was just as divided as it is right now. But even then, God moved as God's moving today. Well, that's so encouraging. And I hope listeners are really uplifted by those truths and those observations and things that we don't know, but are glad to learn. At this point, we are going to take a break and we will resume this discussion in the next episode of Core Principles, featuring more insights and encouragement from the Vice President of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Dr. Tom Phillips. Core Principles podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.